Doctor Who Pod Shop. Okay, well, let's do it now. I <laughs> you know, whatever it is, if it's valuable, send it to us. <laughs> <laughs> For the best in all things Doctor Who, it's Doctor Who Podshock, the podcast all about Doctor Who, the longest-running science fiction television program with Louis Trapani. Hello. Ken Deep. Hello. James Norton. Hello. News. Fabulous. Reviews. Oh, no. And fan mail for James. Uh, 40,000. Doctor Who Podshock from the Gallifrey Embassy and Outpost Gallifrey. You know, that guy James was really cool. Oh, yeah. What blew that? I'm the Doctor, and who are you? And who are you? Who are you? Doctor? You're expecting someone else? I... Three eyes in one breath makes you sound a rather egotistical young lady. What's happened? Change, my dear. And it seems not a moment too soon. As EastEnders moved into Albert Square, Colin Baker moved into the TARDIS. This is Perry, my assistant. Hi. Only the two of you. Yes, travelling light this time. Besides, so difficult to recruit good staff these days, don't you agree? With a costume louder than Live Aid, his doctor was blonde and curly, mean and moody. We're heading towards the middle 80s, and then, you know, if you look back and see photographs of yourself in the 80s, they're absolutely terrible, we all look shocking. Enjoy me while you can. I hope not to be around for too long. You have to be the doctor. He's not the doctor I know. The doctor is dangerous! Of course it's dangerous! We cannot interfere. This looks familiar. The Doctor has a well-known predilection for violence. That is a foul slur! Interrupt, Doctor. Whatever else happens, I am... the Doctor. I was taken out of time for another reason. And I have every intention of finding out what it is. I am Lord President of Gallifrey. I see you've been busy, whereas you have been stupid, Doctor. Not guilty! Vision! You're talking about slave labor. Cleaned, skinned, quickly pan fried in their own juices till they're golden brown. Ambrosia steeped in nectar perry. The flavor is unforgettable. My doctor, being the sixth, had the advantage of having five doctors before him that I was able to study. When Colin started, um, I think we were both kind of finding our way, um, whereas I'd sort of settled in with Peter quite quickly, and I think Colin was quite nervous about starting. And it took us a few weeks to kind of find our way with each other, but funnily enough, we work very similarly as actors, so in the end, it, it worked out to be a very tight um, working situation. Perhaps you're right. A man may be playing tricks on me. They wanted me to be totally tasteless, so that I had a totally tasteless costume. Outpost Gallifrey presents Doctor Who, Pachak, episode 103, The Sixth Doctor, The Colin Baker Error. This is Louis Trapani, and joining me here on this live podcast is my fellow co-host, Mr. Ken Deep. Hello, Ken. Hello, hello, hello. Hey, Ken. Good having you here once again. Um, 
James will not be with us today, but we have our regular um, contributors. Uh, yeah, I was looking for a nice little colorful metaphor to use. Um, but yeah, our colorful metaphor. Yes. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> that would be rude. No, I didn't say a rude colorful metaphor. Okay. <laughs> so sure also with us, um, some of us uh, you may remember Joe, also known as Omega from our forums. Um, hello, Joe. Konnichiwa. <laughs> okay, Ichuta. <laughs> also with us is Colin. Hello, Colin. Awesome. Hello, Lewis. Hi, Ken. Hello. Good to have you back on the show. Thank you. It's nice to be back. Well, it's great to have you. You know, it's um, always a joy to have you on the show, Colin. Oh, and, well, um, indeed. Also with us is Michael from the Tin Dog Podcast. Hello, guys. Hello. Hey. Mike's feeling a, a little under the weather, but we're we're glad that he's joining us for this show. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. You're quite welcome. So we're here and we're talking about the Sixth Doctor, Colin Baker, and um, this is, um, I don't know, I think sometimes Colin Baker gets um, a, un, a bad rap sometimes, perhaps unjustified, and um, I think he came into the show uh, obviously right on the heels of Peter Davison, and what they were doing at the time, John Nathan Turner was contrasting Rightly so, different actors coming in. Uh, Peter Davison was, was very different than Tom Baker, and Colin Baker is, was very much different than Peter Davison, um, you know, as far as um, style and appearances. And, um, and I think that's a healthy thing to do. Uh, Colin Baker, I have to say, probably is um, the sixth doctor, even though, as Ken had said um, when we did the Peter, Peter Davison show, that, you know, all the doctors are, you know, our favorites. There are some doctors that, some actors that I think, they're all special for for whatever reasons, but um, I have to say that that for Colin Baker, the reasons why he's I find that that his doctor is special kind of uh, brings home what we're doing right here with you know doing this podcast with the Gallifreyan Embassy because when the Gallifreyan Embassy formed, Colin Baker was the current doctor. So I think you know we always say we remember our first doctor, which is true, and I think. For everyone, their first doctor, whether whether or not it's your favorite or not, it's special for being that their first doctor. And um, Colin Baker wasn't our first doctor, but it was the club's first doctor in a sense, as he was the current doctor. Also, maybe perhaps I'm a little biased because I think, um, if I'm mistaken, he probably was the first actor who played the doctor that I met. And this is going back to February of um, 2004. <laughs> no, no, no. February of um, 1985, I believe it was, and uh, or, or was it earlier? But be it as it may, he had he's he was just first introduced in the role, and I was at a um, I was at a show where he was attending with John Nathan Turner, and they previewed some of his episodes, which was a real treat because it was on a big screen, and we here in the states have never seen any of the Colin Baker stories um, at that point, so. It was um, great seeing his um, seeing some of his um, episodes there. On, granted, it's a convention screen, whatever. It's still a big screen, bigger than your television screen. So it had a theatrical sense. I think Colin Baker brought, as many doctors do, they drew they drew from the past doctors some traits that they brought forward. One of those traits was um, after a rough regeneration, after being poisoned, and um, 
he was a, a little ruffled to say the least and he brought some of the touchiness and and of um of the original doctor of william hartnell the first doctor into the part and uh, but i think over time that was leveling off and i believe you would have seen the the doctor's character mature as time went on but there were other forces at play we had um michael grade who was out to really ditch the show and ditch colin baker and uh, he put the show on hiatus for 16 months, or yeah, it was, was it 18 months, whatever. And it, it was really playing uh, havoc with the show and changing the format and trying to make it a, a lighter, less violent show was the excuse that was being used. And um, I, I think the show, when Colin picked it up, was right on the, again, picking up off of Peter Davison on the heels of Caves at, the Caves at Androzani, which was a very intense episode. And then... Um, I think Colin's um, first season had a lot of intense episodes as well. Maybe even not as intense, but um, the drama was there, you know, and um, and maybe it was a little darker. But I think that's where the show was heading, and um, I, I don't, I didn't really see that as a negative at the time. And um, Colin Baker at the time, when I he he was still fairly new in the role. He had said that uh, he was going to play the role for at least eight years. You know, he wanted to kind of outdo Tom Baker's reign. So it's unfortunate that notwithstanding more recent Doctors, um, he was, he came, you know, as far as the classic series goes, if not, if you not counting Paul McGann that, and um, Christopher Eccleston, that, that his stay was probably the shortest there, at least on television. He had a, um, the Sixth Doctor has enjoyed a uh, resurgence, if you will, in audio with the big Finnish audio dramas, which um, everyone's really enjoying. And, and even those that were maybe not as enthused with Colin Baker during his television um, run are now having a change of mind while they listen to the big Finnish audios. So, um, well, that, that's my little intro about Colin Baker. And I'm going to um, give the mic to Ken and see what he has to say. Well, yeah, it, uh, it's interesting that uh, that you mentioned that Colin Baker was the first for the Gallifrey Embassy. You know, when the when the club was first formed uh, in the mid '80s, he was the current doctor. So most of the activities surrounding the club had to do with his particular era and reviewing the the episodes and the goings on, uh, the information coming from overseas in the days before the internet, and and it was very difficult. You know, you basically had pen pals. Uh, and maybe some people who traded some videos with you uh, who were generous with their time and efforts to get material to the United States for us to enjoy as Doctor Who fans um, in advance of the, of W, I was going to say WLIW, but PBS stations uh, showing, picking up the, the newest packages. So it was a very exciting time. Uh, I really enjoy Colin Baker. Uh, As Lewis opened up, he said that, um, many times Colin Baker gets a bum rap, and, and I think that's really unfair. And I know there are, there are people who are extremely critical of his era. Um, as, a, as a person, as an actor, as the doctor, uh, I really I don't have any issues. Uh, you know, as some people say, well, he was a bit arrogant. You know, his character was a, was a bit arrogant. He was rough around the edges. And I, I like that contrast to other doctors. I think the Doctor has always had a bit of that in his persona, from William Hartnell and John Pertwee, as an example. I think there was always uh, an edginess to him, and it can be attributed perhaps to the fact that he was poisoned heading into the regeneration. 
that maybe this sent him, you know, uh, maybe it, it, it threw, threw the regeneration for a loop. I think if you wanted to analyze his, his very limited, unfortunately, his, his two seasons, you could point to, well, he had a companion that uh, started out with a great deal of potential and was dumbed down, uh, probably through no fault of, of the actress. You know, it was probably written to be dumbed down. Um, it was very much a product of the 80s. He wore an extremely heinous costume um, and, and was saddled with a companion that not only you know, was, was dumbed down intentionally, but was dressed like, dressed like she acted. And, and, and those things right off the bat put a bad taste in people's mouths, uh, along with trying to rush the first season to have a, everything, Dalek, Cyberman, Suntarns, multi-doctor story, master story. They jammed everything into the first season. Uh, and it was the beginning of John Nathan Turner's desire to step away from Doctor Who. That coupled with the fact that many years later we we were uh, we come to learn in an interview with the late great Gary Downey, uh, John Nathan Turner's partner of many years, um, in an interview in Doctor Who magazine, that the behind the scenes forces between uh, Michael Grade, who was the BBC controller, apparently was in some relationship of some form with Colin Baker's soon-to-be ex-wife, and there was a lot of behind-the-scenes politics, decided to single-handedly destroy the show to, uh, well, you had John Nathan Turner, who wanted to step away, was being forced to stay. Uh, Grade thought the show was silly. And in certain respects, in the mid-'80s, it was, in, in some of the things that they were doing. You had a, a producer who, who was trying to get out, who was perhaps saying, okay, well, you know, maybe I will... I'll make it silly. I'll make it. I'll make them want to get a new producer, and perhaps you had uh, outside forces in. Oh, oh, would you like me to, uh, you know, destroy your soon-to-be ex-husband's television show and get him fired? Oh, I could do that. So there was probably a lot of things behind the scenes. Uh, these things were all discovered 20 years on, and it's something I would love to interview Colin Baker uh, about now, with with 20 years worth of hindsight, and quite honestly. Uh, having himself, having perhaps Mr. Baker not worry about alienating uh, Michael Grade or, or, or feeling some kind of reprisals to his career. But there were, there were those factors we've now learned contributed to many of the things with, that just as fans we looked at and said, what the heck is going on here? Uh, the show was put on hiatus. That was the first time that, that Doctor Who really took a knock, really – um, the run had been pretty consistent up until that point. For better or for worse, they always managed to get a season out or episodes out, and all of a sudden it was being put on hiatus. I, I think that when Trial of a Time Lord, when the, when the show returned, I loved the new music, the new look. I thought Perry, uh, the character of Perry was, was brought back to a level that she was at when she was with Peter Davison. I thought Colin Baker's Doctor was toned down just enough and he could still have a little of that, that bravado, but he was still the doctor. There was back to some warmth and some charm. And uh, although the, the trial of a Time Lord umbrella had plenty of bumps, it, it was a little overlong, and, and uh, it, it concluded in, in a, in a um, 
in a manner that was sort of a letdown to a certain degree. They dodged a bullet with is the Valyard the doctor? He's a half doctor. He's in between the doctor. It was you were more confused at the end of the story than you were at the beginning. Um, but to see somebody forced out of a part, to see somebody who was so enthusiastic to play the part, who was willing and, uh, and generous with his time for the fans of the people who enjoyed the show, uh, made many convention appearances, many personal appearances, publicized the show, went out in costume, did whatever he was asked to do. To see somebody with that kind of enthusiasm forced out of something they were enjoying being a part of, that was that's really where the tragedy lies. I'm gl- I'm, I agree with you too, Lewis, that I'm really excited that his doctor has a resurgence now with the Big Finish stuff. I think his era lent itself to the Big Finish stories where there were so many breaks between the natural gaps and the things in Trial of the Time Lord that you can invent new companions, you can use existing companions. There were, there were many avenues for Big Finish to go with his era, and, and I'm really excited that, that uh, I mean, some of the, his, his Big Finish stuff is really wonderful. Yeah, yeah. Um, just to comment on some of the things you had just mentioned, if you go back to Podshock number 58, you can hear a Colin Baker interview that we recorded back in 1987. This is right on the heels of when he was let go as the doctor, and you can really get a scoop on what went down at that time and, and what he said at that time. So it's a real interesting listen even today to go back and, and put yourself there. Um, the other thing is that many times today we talk about the current show and how everyone involved in the current show grew up with Doctor Who and had a passion for it. And now, you know, going back to the mid-'80s, Doctor Who's been around, had been around for close to 20, 25 years, so, um, well, approaching the 25th anniversary. So at that time, many of the people there had had a history of growing up and knowing Doctor Who, and there was a passion that Colin Baker had that passion for the Doctor, had a passion for Doctor Who, and, and he was, and, and that was plainly evident when you see, when you saw him in person, that passion was plainly evident there. So um, it was really a, a sad irony that, as you know, we mentioned, you had a producer that, that was at that time was looking to start up other projects and move on to other projects, and um, you had an actor that was willing and, um, and, and very passionate about staying and being the doctor, and, and, they, and what happened was they let you know, one go and forced the other one to stay, and the resulting um, few seasons that followed was, you know, and, was, and despite um, this, this bitter taste left in Colin Baker's mouth, if you pardon the metaphor, he's still, to this day, enthusiastic about the show. He's visited the set. He's always gracious with interviews. Even in the Children in Need special Dimensions and Time in 1993, he came back, wore the costume, played the part. Um, yes, he bowed out of a regeneration scene. I think probably like Tom Baker would say with the five doctors, there may be a drop of regret, but at the right time, at the time, it was the right thing for him to do. And I don't think any fan would criticize uh, an actor who was being fired for not wanting to show up on his last day of work. I'm sorry. You know, if you were in a job that you were being fired from, you might say, to hell with this, I'm out of here. I think that's a, that's a normal human reaction, and I don't, I don't blame the man for not wanting to do the regeneration. And, once the dust had settled and, and, and perhaps some water went under the bridge, he returned to the show and visited the set with uh, uh, one of the stories in the David, David Tennant era and, and has come to give his blessing. He's, 
He's still an ambassador for the show. So is Peter Davidson. So is Sylvester McCoy. And mm-hmm. to a certain degree, so is Paul McGann. Absolutely. Um, yeah, at and, that and time... This is, part was... of the, this is the part of the wonder of the show. This is the part of, as, as William Hartnell said uh, in the past, he said, once you've been, you've been involved with the doctor, that magic stays with you the rest of your life. And, and these are mm-hmm. all pure examples of that. Yeah. No, I, I, I agree with you, Ken. And, I mean, at that time, he was a working actor. He had a family to support. So, you know, you let go. You've you got to explore your, where you're going to get your next paycheck from and you, what, what role are you going to take next, whatever. You can't mm. really stop your career and come back just to play a regeneration scene that's going to last a few seconds on screen from a position that, that, that you were just let go from. So I don't think anyone blames Colin Baker for that. And, um, and I... I even at the time, I remember that 1987 interview. It was a grueling process because it was at a, a convention, and um, and he still um, had a great attitude and um, and maintained it. And in fact, it was even more troubling that, that during that weekend because we just lost Patrick Troughton that same at, at that same time. And, well, this is you know he was back in the in the, in the heyday of of Icon, the first ten years um, in. The 1980, at, at the 1986 icon, they announced Colin Baker for the 1987 icon. They were one year ahead with the guest. They already had a marquee guest lined up for the following convention, which was a brilliant stroke of marketing. Uh, but little did they know that in that year that Colin Baker would be let go uh, in, in, in the way that he had, and that this was the first American convention he had done on the heels of being let go. And then, of course, as Lewis mentioned, that was the same weekend that, that Patrick Troutman passed away, and the two of them were, were friends for, you know, for a long time. Uh, so there was, this was a, a quite a, uh, and, I, and I hate to use this word because it's so overused in the media these days, but it was a surreal weekend. Uh, it, it, it's hard to describe the fact that you're going into a, a convention with a man who had just been let go uh, and, and was still let go of it from his job that he loved, uh, was still gracious enough to show up to the convention and sign autographs and talk about the show. And then towards the end of the weekend, to have, the, to have all of fandom and all of the world lose the brilliance of Patrick Trout. So it was, that was a very strange weekend. Yes, indeed. And, um, but I just was making a point that throughout it all, Colin Baker always um, kept his... Um, kept a positive outlook and didn't want to disappoint any of the fans that were there to see him. And that, and, and he, he was, it was an exhausting weekend and he still, I think in an interview that we may have done, um, we, we did a couple um, even outside of that podcast that I just mentioned before that, that had one of the interviews, but I think he had mentioned um, somewhere along the line that, you know, when he's the doc, he, he was, you know, okay. He, it was a transition time at that time, but he was still, uh, Sylvester McCoy hadn't started yet. So, they just announced McCoy, in fact, and um, he was still the current doctor, so to speak, because McCoy's episodes haven't hadn't yet started yet. So, um, for anyone that's seen him, he still had to represent the doctor in a sense, and you know, and and that's even with everything that was going on with the show and behind the scenes, he still respected that and 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 didn't give a bad attitude um, for those that he were put on a put on a brave face and went out and did it. Knew that there were there were some kids as an example, that may not understand that he's been fired, um, may not understand it as a business aspect, only understood it as there's the man who plays the doctor. Uh, and we've had some feedback in those areas 
um, to Podshock over the last couple months leading into this. And some people said, uh, as a matter of fact, one of the interviews that's coming up uh, with uh, one in Podshock 100 is, uh, or it may have passed, I don't know what the chronology is, we're recording this, but mentioning that some, to some people, and this was funny to me, that the first doctor they ever met was Colin Baker. I, I think John Pertwee was mine. And, and Lewis just said that, that he remembers Colin Baker being his first doctor um, mm. as far as meeting in person. But that, that was, you know, you, you stop for a second and so someone is telling you that, yeah, I was a little kid and I met Colin Baker. I, I was a teenager at the time. So, yeah, there were people younger than me that were seeing him and just thought of him as, you know, well, he's the doctor. I was old enough perhaps, and I know Lewis was as well, old enough to understand that this is just a, a man, an actor, playing a part, and we were still enthusiastic about meeting him, but maybe some kids who were younger than us didn't understand that, and we're, you know, hey, we're going to go meet the doctor. And he was still gracious. When it comes to his error, though, one of the other things we were mentioning about mentioning about John Nathan Turner's um, uh, issues, as well as uh, Michael Grade, we also uh, neglected to mention that Eric Sayward, the script editor at the time, and John Nathan Turner had been butting heads almost nonstop to the point where they would quit or he was fired or whatever may have happened. There's a lot going on during uh, Trial of a Time Lord. Then we had one of the greatest Doctor Who writers of all time, Robert Holmes, passed away just, at the, just as, the, as the production of Trial of a Time Lord was concluding. Uh, and they had to go back and rewrite the last episode and um, that in the midst of, of Eric Sayward, uh, you know, wanting to leaving the show abruptly, uh, there was a behind the scenes. There was a lot of turmoil, and I imagine that if, as anybody would, would could relate to if they've ever had any issues at their job, this is this is still a working you know production company production team putting this show together, and with that kind of chaos and that kind of um, discontent behind the scenes, it cannot be helped but to be translated onto the screen when things are not running smoothly. You can tell that the current production team runs like a well-oiled machine by the products they put out. People are there. They're enthusiastic. There doesn't seem to be uh, any infighting. I mean, if, they, if there is anything like that going on, boy, do they keep it quiet because something would have leaked out by now. The Sun or one of these papers would have picked up on it. But at that time... In, in the Colin Baker era, there were a lot of things behind the scenes, a lot of factors that contributed to the fact that things were not going smoothly. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, you know, at least, you know, it, the, the show is, it's, I mean, it didn't really affect the show too much. Um, obviously, it, it did to a certain extent, but um, there were some really great episodes coming out of the Colin Baker era, and, um, I know some people may not like the the two doctors, but I you know I think it's a just to see Patrick Troughton again in a, in a multi doctor story um, that has to be one of my favorites from from that era. Um, we're gonna jump across the pond um, and see what um, those in the UK had thought about Colin Baker. So we're gonna start. Um, I'm gonna um, swing it over to Michael from the Tin Dog Podcast, and. Um, I know, Michael, you're suffering from a cold, so uh, we'll, we'll bear with, with your voice there. What's your thoughts on Colin Baker? Well, thanks for that. Um, I must admit, I have spent the last five minutes trying not to cough, so uh, sorry about that. Um, yeah. uh, Colin, I must admit, 
I didn't like when I was growing up with the show. And I am a complete convert because of Big Finish. When I was a kid, I must admit, I think I was one of the people who just hated what the show had become. I didn't understand. I wasn't old enough to know that things evolved. And I felt that things were changing too much. Perhaps it was the costume, perhaps it was a lot of things. But now that I'm older, um, not necessarily wiser, but older, and thanks to Big Finish, I've gone back and I can see Colin Baker's time for what it was, and I'm much happier about it. I've come to embrace the Sixth Doctor a lot more than I ever did at the time. When I was a kid, we also, um, we just got, we were so far behind the times, we just got a Betamax recorder, uh, just in time to record Time just before the hiatus. So for 18 months, the only Doctor Who that I had access to was Time Lash. So you can imagine the high standard that I could hold the Sixth Doctor in. Yeah. Well, I say that. I also had Revelation of the Daleks, but to be fair, that doesn't have any Daleks in it, and uh, Doctor hardly appears until Episode 2 anyway. So... I must admit, I wasn't as fond. And and looking back, you know, you've got things like Twin Dilemma. It's not the greatest start. Um, And then you sort of, you've got got that year to wait between the end of Peter Davidson's final season where you had Twin Dilemma and then you had the year where you were going, perhaps you'll get better, perhaps you won't. No, no, hopefully you'll get better. The first thing the guy did was try to strangle Perry. And I'd like to take a bow for being the first person to mention Perry today. (laughs) But I'm sure she'll be mentioned later on by many other people. Um, The relationship between Perry and the Sixth Doctor in the first series that they were together really uh, didn't work for me at all. Um, But it it really, they struggled, I think, with the writing. Because Colin, although he brought a lot of himself to his portrayal of the Doctor, he was also trying different things out. Which, which is a very brave thing to do with a, with a role so well established. Um, I was once at a convention where he was talking, uh, and this guy stood up and said, uh, Colin Baker, I, I, was, uh, I was watching this interview with Brian Blessed, and Brian Blessed said that you had no idea how to play the Doctor. How do you react to that? Colin thought for a moment, looked down at the floor, and then said, well, I think the fact that Brian Blessed is one of the strongest men I've ever met, he's huge, he's tall, and he could rip my head off I have to agree with him however that's also the best way to approach playing the doctor not quite knowing what to do playing completely as, as a doctor and as the text board saying Brian Blessed indeed shouted rather than asked but that guy isn't actually capable of talking so he's right Colin played the doctor the way that Colin saw the doctor which was alien which was different which was human to a certain extent but not beyond that. And looking back now, I can see what he was trying to do. I'm not sure he was always allowed to do that. I mean, let's face it, at the time you were watching Vengeance and Varos and going, it's clever, but could you just do it slightly better? I don't know. Maybe that was just me. I'm sorry, I just need to cough for a moment. I'll just move my headset. Sorry about that. Okay, Okay, sorry about that. Um, really, I just wanted to say that if it wasn't for the um, bit finish audios, I probably wouldn't have gone back to the Sixth Doctor and reevaluated the time. Um, I've got some recommendations which I can come up with later if people need them, but I do 
always look forward to Colin's big finish releases every time. The fact that he was chosen to do the 100th release really says a lot. Uh, there's there was a time when if you were told Doctor Who fans that he would be the one chosen to celebrate such a big milestone, people would have said you're just off your head. But it was obvious. It was an obvious choice because his Doctor works so well, especially in audio, and it's not just because you can't see the coat. The pairing between him and Evelyn just works so well. Um, him and Perry did work, and him and... I'm sorry, I don't like saying these words out loud. Bonnie Langford. Um, it, <laughs> for me, it just didn't work. I apologise for the language I'm using there. There are children <laughs> listening. Um, saying her name three times will make her appear to open a local supermarket. It's not good. Um, <laughs> I, I actually blame her considerably more than, um, than the costume, than many of the things the bringing on of the hiatus. If Michael Grade wanted to bring around the end of the show at the hands of the fans, that bit of casting really went down quite well. I'm sorry, I'm being all negative, and that's, I must admit, something that was going on at the time in fandom as well, especially in England. I wasn't privy to much of it, I was quite young, but I was aware that fandom had turned on the show, and that did not reflect well, and we have to be careful not to do that again with the new show. I'm sorry, I've gone all serious. I apologise enormously. Did, did I just remember what it was like. During Colin's era, or was it more towards? Because um, I, I and, and I know uh, Sylvester McCoy gets a lot of flack from his first season. Um, I mean, was that just uh, this? Was Colin the springboard to the the real negative reaction with Sylvester McCoy's um, material? I, I I would. I mean, this is obviously just my reading of it, but I, I think yes. I think that Colin, Colin's uh, perception by the fans and their reviews of the stories that were being published uh, in fanzines and the like really did get back to the BBC. And towards the end of McCoy's era, it was going back the other way. We were very pleased with the product, yeah, but yeah. I don't know. This was yeah. just what I was seeing. Mm-hmm. This was just what I experienced. I could be completely wrong. I mean, I'm not Andrew Pixley. I, <laughs> I just know what I saw. Mm-hmm. Well, I, you know, um, one of the things I'm, I'm very pleased to hear you say, and, because we've discussed this on on many podcasts, and, and I'm and it's good that this is getting out, and we uh, it seems that fandom is of one mind, is that we are not going to allow the same um, uh, the same level of vehemency that was yes, out there, the, the same kind of criticism to be leveled at the new show. We can be critical of a, of a story we like, we don't like. This thing was good, that thing was good, this thing was bad, that thing was bad. But we were not going to let it destroy the show, and we'll take our foot off the gas pedal long before that happens. We, Lewis and I would rather stop the podcast altogether than allow something that, that we're saying or we're allowing to fester to destroy the show again. That's, I, it's a different time, it's a different era, but these things can always repeat themselves. And uh, but the reaction has been very positive. I, I, I anybody who doesn't like the show, I really believe is in the minority. Uh, I, I mean, I'm talking about people who don't like the show who call themselves fans. They, of course, they're going to be people yeah. who don't like the show simply because they don't like science fiction or they don't like this or that or whatever. That's fine. Every, not the show isn't for everybody. But within fandom, I think 
that the people who would be extremely critical of the new show are in the minority. So, so far, everything seems to be going all right. And, and the things that we've talked about on the show uh, have been valid claims, the, the not leaving Earth too often or things like that. Those are, those are not things that will destroy the show. We're just simply saying, hey, look, be careful here. You know, let's not, let's not get stuck Keep the show moving forward. I, I agree wholeheartedly on that one. However, the thing that I do need to point out is how many of us really, really laid into Torchwood. So much so that I was surprised that we got a second series. Well, I, mean, I, I have admittedly, to that was to encourage it to get better. I don't enjoy Torchwood, I, and and I, I'm, I can't, I can't like something that I just simply don't like. I I, I really worry about uh, the watering down of the talent pool. Um, getting sidetracked on the Sarah Jane adventures and Torchwood and, and all these other things. Let's make, let's do one thing and do it well. Is, would be my attitude towards the show. Um, and then that's no disrespect to either of the other two shows. But as a Doctor Who fan, Torchwood is very different. Uh, and yet, how, what I can't understand is how would you keep referencing Torchwood in the current show if Torchwood is clearly an adult show? meant to go in different directions. If it was a spin-off no, where it went into this thing, that's fine. But to keep bringing young audiences in by saying, oh, this happened in Torchwood, this happened in Torchwood, well, now these young people are going to go turn around and say, well, I have to go watch this show. What if I don't want to watch the show? What if I don't like the show? I, I found Torchwood no, more you enjoyable... On the second viewing, I've been watching it on um, on HDTV. So um, I, I've been, re- I think, because I had uh, some conceptions of what I thought the series was going to be like. Once that was overcome, and I accepted the show for what it is, I'm was I'm able to enjoy it for what it is. Uh, I do. I think there's room for improvement, sure. But I, I mean, I I, I can appreciate it for what it is, though. And 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 it's obviously it's not Doctor Who. It's a separate show, but nope. it's, and it and it does have its problems, but. Um, like every Can show. I make a point as well? Sure. sure. There is something, in fact, it was actually Colin Baker who brought this up when he did Doctor Who at the Cavern, and I think he repeated it on the Who cast when he spoke to Paul and Seb. Um, he said that the main problem he had with Torchwood, and I agreed with him on this, is that um, it wasn't what we were sold in the show. It was basically, we were given this idea that it was a technologically advanced um, organization that was top secret and then when we got it on the TV series obviously it was post what had happened at the end of season two so obviously this big disaster had befallen the organization but instead of a high-tech secret organization we had a bunch of misfits with personality problems running around and that was that was the problem that we had with it well, it's a top-secret organization that everybody knows about. Oh, and it's the main torchwood is plastered of everything. And, and when you watch it in HD, you can see every, you can even see even more clearly that the main torchwood is on labeled on everything. I mean, everything. But, but folks, we're we're digressing a bit. Yes. And you know what? I will, yeah. I will, I will say this: that perhaps, perhaps Lewis makes a good point that the expectation for me was a certain thing, and perhaps now that my expectation my expectations can be lowered on a second viewing, and I kind of know what I'm getting into. I will give it a, a more open mind. I'll, I'll buy the DVD set. I'll watch it again when it comes out here, you know, uh, on disc, and, and perhaps I'll have a, a, a different opinion of it where I can enjoy it for what it is. 
but I, I... Far be it from me to be responsible for making Podshock even longer than it often is, so I apologize <laughs> for speaking <laughs> down this road. That's, that's okay, but let's, let's get back before to... Before I uh, sign off... Let's get back Sorry, to before I sign off, I've just got one question. Doctor. I've got one question about the Sixth Doctor's time. Can somebody please explain the end of Trial of a Time Lord? I've reached 36 and I still have trouble. I have reference books, I have guidebooks, I have friends, I actually have friends, it's very nice, some of them are real. And uh, I've asked them, and they go, uh, it's something to do with the 13th incarnation, but perhaps it's just some bloke off another show, oh I don't know, wasn't it the master? And then everyone just sort of vaguely goes off and starts talking about Sylvester McCoy or something. So if anyone does want to explain the end, I'd be very grateful. In in a strictly John Nathan Turner X's and O's explanation, I think that he just dodged a bullet. He didn't want to waste a regeneration on the Valyard. And so they gave us the Jedi mind trick as to what, where the Valyard came from and, and what he stands for. Uh, he's he's pretty much the evil Captain Kirk when you know when they get beamed down and one Kirk comes out good and one Kirk comes out bad. So there's a transporter accident in the Doctor's. He never had a beard. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, we okay. all know that the Doctor really wants to be the Master. We, we that's that's something to explore. <laughs> All right, well, oh, well, let's give everyone little pocket watches and they can be whoever they want to be. It'll be fine. That's right. <laughs> so if we can go from one Colin to... Uh, if we can talk about Colin from another Colin, and, um, of course, we're going to stay in, in the UK there for a bit. Colin, what's your take on Colin? <laughs> um, well, actually, Mike had summed up quite nicely a lot of what I thought. Um when it was on TV, I wasn't a massive fan. Doctor Who was something I'd have watched while it, if it was on. Um, I'd kind of started to cool down on it in the Peter Davidson era, um, saw the regeneration. Um, and for me, thinking back on it now, um, I think the thing that I had a problem with was that it just didn't seem when it was on the TV that it was being a serious, it was taking itself as seriously as it had done. Um, I got the impression that the whole sort of thing was slightly over the top. It was a bit of a joke. Um, and the the stories were sort of a bit lacking, um, even from things like the coat, obviously, which puts a lot of people off, to visual stunts like, I can't remember which episode it is, but the one where Perry and the Doctor are in those stupid harnesses <laughs> um, and imagining that they've got to wear them so as not to get thrown about the TARDIS. So the things that had never appeared before and then never appeared again. I mean, all right, I know Doctor Who history is absolutely full of stuff like that with things that had never been referenced before that all of a sudden are taken as sort of canonical. Um, like, and I, I'm waiting for the time visualizer to come back. Mm, yeah, well, <laughs> you know, all sorts of things like that and things like, you know, The Watcher or whatever at the end of the Tom Baker era that everybody seemed to reference as if, you know, it had always been there. Um, I'm not sure if it was. Again, as I say, I can only go on what I saw, but I'd never heard any reference of it before that. Um, with the Colin Baker era, um, as I say, it was the fact that it did seem to be, it was a bit of a laugh, It were, you know, and I got the impression that the people doing it weren't taking it seriously as they had been doing when they were doing it in the Tom Baker era. And to an extent at the beginning of the Peter Davison era, um, 
I kind of veered away from it in the second series that they had of the Colin Baker season. And the only ones that I can really remember are things like, I remember the two doctors, which for me, I didn't really have much of a problem with. Um, I quite liked it, but again, I'm not fully versed in the law, so I couldn't really say. Um, And the revelation of the Daleks, wasn't it, that they did, which again, thinking back on it now, somebody said earlier, well, it didn't have much of the Doctor in it. That is probably what was wrong with it. I didn't feel that he was as much in control as he had been in other stories. Um, I started to come back to it with Trial of a Time Lord, um, where they talked about all the marvellous special effects, and that opening shot is very good. But then, as has been remarked before, I think they'd obviously spent the budget on that opening shot. Um, Three of the stories didn't have a problem with. Mysterious Planet, pretty humdrum. Mind Warp, not bad. And then right at the very end, there was that sort of bit with Perry that completely blows everybody away. Terror of the Vervoid, I didn't mind Bonnie Langford that much. But then again, I'm not a massive fan. Um, But the ultimate for the last two, it was a mess. Um, I watched that second to last episode and thought, it's all going to be explained now. It's all going to be clear. And then nothing and so consequently, that's what I lived with for years. I thought, oh, thank God they got rid of him. And then having started on Big Finish, um, I picked up the very first episode the Silence of Time, thought I'll give that a try. And I have to be honest, I was not looking forward to the Colin Baker story. But out of those three or four episodes, part three, which is Colin Baker's part, is actually the most interesting and gripping of all of those parts. And pretty soon after that, I, I sort of started seeing which ones I could go for. And obviously, as Mike from Tim Pod, the Tin Dog podcast has said, um, you know, the, the Doctor and Evelyn is so gripping because it's nothing that they have in any of the series. The Doctor hasn't had an older assistant. And I think if he'd had that back then, if he'd had somebody to argue more with him than sort of to go, yes, Doctor, no, Doctor, three bags, full Doctor, I think it might have sort of been a bit more successful. Um, and he has now become my favourite doctor of the Big Finish audios. Any time that there's one coming out with him on, I'm looking forward to it. So he's definitely redeemed himself in my eyes through Big Finish. The Doctor and Evelyn dynamic it reminds me a lot of the Kirk-McCoy dynamic in Star Trek, where there's someone who, they're, they're clearly, there's clearly a friendship there, but they're, they're a bit abrasive they don't always have the same point of view as someone who's saying, you know, mm. who could be strong and stand up to the doctor a bit and, and say, well, you know, doctor, you're wrong. One of the yeah. things that, uh, that I, that I found probably the thing that was the least doctorly in the McCoy, in the, uh, Colin Baker era was the, the, the moral center of the show. Many times the doctor was, was, we're finding the doctor doing things, that may have been a bit out of character, and, and, and that's, I think, where um, some of the criticisms about the violence and things like that came in, you know, where he was doing things that made, you know, the, the doctor in, in several stories didn't solve the problem. He only made the problem worse in, in, in a couple cases. And so part of what the essence of what was Doctor Who was changed, and again, I don't blame the actor for this. This has to go back to producing and writing and script editing and such, so. And, you know, one of the things we didn't mention was that the format changed. Uh, they That's went to true. the 45-minute episodes, which today are, are commonplace, uh, and, and Russell T. Davies has made this format work for the show. But back then, I think it was 
I think it was a detriment. I think it was. Mm, it's too low. For a for a production team who were used to making twenty five minute episodes in four parts or two parts or six parts, um, to change it around and make it into forty five minutes, then to have them edit them, edit those episodes and back mm-hmm. to twenty five minutes for the American distribution, it just it, it, it many of those things just all contributed. Is that the major factor? Probably not, but in a in a bigger picture, in a larger picture, it was just another thing that it was. Well, why did they do that? Because they only went back right after that, uh, after that experiment. So it seemed like there was there was a, a number of of factors working against Colin Baker's era. Yeah. Well, we're going to go to um, before we go to Joe. Um, I want to remind everyone that they can chime in as well. This is a live podcast, and you're welcome to call in and be a part of the show. Or use um, you don't have to use a phone. You can use um, um, a um, a voice over IP um, application such as Skype or the Gizmo Project or uh, the Shoe Phone, which is TalkShoe's own um, way of connecting via voice. And uh, to participate, call dial seven two four 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 four. Seven four four four, and our 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 ID number, our Talkcast ID number is two three three five eight, and basically when you do, you just enter that number in. You enter your PIN number. You can get that free from Talkshoe, and that enables you to run the Talkshoe client software, which puts you into a chat, and you can see it's it's a whole community that's going on while we're doing the show that's listening live to the show, and um, they're interacting with us and with each other via chat as well, in addition to um, what you're hearing on the podcast. So um, it's great to be a part of the show, and I encourage everyone to, um, to join us when we do do these recordings and go to uh, the GallifreyAnEmbassy.org or Podshock.net website, and you can find out exactly when our next show is, or go to the TalkShoe.com site and look up Podshock and see our next recording and be a part of the show. So we're... Right now, we're, we've been doing a uh, bi-weekly or every other week we've been recording live. Uh, so we'll be back in another two weeks for a Sylvester McCoy episode. But in the meantime, um, put yourself in the queue for this show, and we want to hear what you have to say. And we're going to take it to Joe now, also known as Omega in our forums. Hello, Joe. Sorry to keep you waiting in the wings so long. Oh, it's quite all right. I have a few things to say. I also enjoy... Colin Baker's doctor. It's wonderful. Before I really get into the uh, the meat and potatoes, if you will, of the uh, Colin Baker era, uh, one thing uh, I'd like to mention is uh, also being a fan of Blake Seven, you have uh, Paul Darrow and uh, Jacqueline Pierce making guest appearances uh, in uh, Colin Baker's uh, first uh, full-length season. Well, he wasn't a regular character, but he had a prominent yeah. role, a guest role in um, Blake 7 before he came to Doctor Yeah, and playing that uh, like uh, motorcycle-type gangster yeah, character. Babe the Butcher or something like that? Babe the Butcher. Babe. Yeah, that's it. So uh, there's a lot of uh, Blake 7 references, which is fun for everyone. And uh, that's always great. And um, I always felt that you could get away with a lot of what, you know, Colin Baker did that wasn't exactly maybe as moral as some of the other doctors did for, you know, the reason that he was really uh, going back to 
sort of the William Hartnell era. You know, you have uh, William Hartnell's doctor uh, threatening uh, to kill Ian and Barbara uh, pretty early on in the show mm-hmm. and uh, things like that where, you know, like uh, I think uh, you sort of lose sight of that when you get to, uh, you know, Troughton and Pertwee and, you know, uh, Tom Baker who uh, take on a much more, you know, uh, moral stance as the doctor, but William Hartnell doctor really didn't have that kind of, uh, you know, a moral footing that, you know, we uh, sort of uh, got used to the other doctors. So, you know, I think, uh, you know, they were just trying to go back a bit more to the William Hartnell era, you know, and of course also taking a cue from uh, the John Pertwee era, just the one, female companion uh, throughout, and, um, you know, Perry sort of reminds me of, I guess, uh, the poor man's uh, Joe Grant, I guess is the, uh, is a good way to sort of say that, because, um, you know, again, they sort of uh, dumped her down and made her sort of more like a eye candy, you know, after having, you know, um, you know, just such a, a, a large array of very intelligent companions, you know, like uh, Adric being a mathematician and Nissa being a scientist and uh, Tegan being very combative and always questioning. And then you get Perry. And, you know, and of course you have Turlow being the, you know, morally ambiguous character. And then, you know, then comes Perry, which is very similar to sort of how, you know, you had Liz Shaw who is sort of on the doctor's level with a lot of things, and then you get Joe Grant. So uh, that all sort of seems uh, very easily comparable to me as far as that goes. Um, I feel especially in Colin Baker's first season that, you know, I know we were hinting at it, but uh, it felt like Doctor Who's greatest hits, you know, with uh, all the array of characters that were brought back uh, including, you know, concepts like multi-doctor stories and such. And uh, I think that Attack of the Cybermen sort of really sums it up as being a greatest hits because it was the Cybermen's greatest hits. You know, we're back in the sewers, we're invading Earth, we're, you know, on, uh, I think they were on uh, Mundas, I forget, because the cyber controller was there and uh, the cyber leader and... You know, it was just uh, a lot of things that have already happened that they just sort of uh, meshed together to create another Cyberman story. You had the Chameleon Circuit being brought back up and trying to fix that again. So, Todd's Lane as well, that story? I I believe so. You know, because they start in like the junkyard. Yeah. So, yeah. So, Uh, and you had a a send up, um, a, a, a nod to the original. Um, unearthly child. Yeah, and then you have uh, Lytton returning, you know, someone from the previous season. So it really just felt like that season overall was also uh, a greatest hit in that sense. You know, and you had Cybermen who could be killed by slingshots at this point. Uh, you know, Cybermen going from needing some sort of elaborate plan to destroy them to a handgun being able to kill the Cybermen was kind of ridiculous. 
uh, you know, but you sort of, you know, you get over it and, uh, you know, and then you end with, as someone mentioned, a Dalek story with no Daleks. Um, you know, I happen to, I enjoy that story for, you know, sort of the atmosphere in the story and, uh, how it was, it was different. It, you know, having less of the doctor and it's sort of trying to build up the world a little more and sort of get you sucked into the world. Uh, I enjoyed that part of it and having, you know, such well-developed characters and hinting towards, you know, all these greater things, uh, like the Knights of Orion and all that stuff. Like that was, I thought that was an interesting part of it. Uh, however, I am not a the biggest fan of Davros, but I, I still enjoyed uh, bits of that story. You know, it was very bumpy, I thought, his first season. And then, you know, I, I, I enjoyed, though, how, you know, outlandish the Doctor was. I enjoyed how eccentric and arrogant and how he really was everything that Peter Davison wasn't. And just how Peter Davison was most of the things that Tom Baker wasn't. And it just seems from the continuity uh, from the previous regeneration that this is all where it was building up to, you know, since John Nathan Turner had taken over. I thought that it made sense when Baker had, uh, you know, had to regenerate from doing something so heroic and saving the entire universe from having to hear the master over the radio for all eternity was, uh, you know, ended up turning him into a more almost uh, naive doctor, a more, you know, uh, a little more, you know, he was still a little rough around the edges, just like all the other doctors, but there was more of a kindness and more of a genuine urge to, you know, sort of help and to protect and all that. And then when, you know, towards the end of his reign, you know, the doctor's stories were getting progressively darker. Uh, You could see a definite turn in Peter Davison after, you know, Adric had died. And then it all leads up to just, you know, Warriors of the Deep, which was just uh, a very big defeat for the doctor after, you know, not being able to save anyone culminates in the case of Androzani. And then you get such a bitter and uh, doctor out of that. And I think it uh, made perfect sense um, to me. Uh, it made sense, you know, the whole strangling Perry thing. It didn't bother me. Uh, I was fine with it. I'm sure there's a lot of people that would be fine with it to this day. Uh, maybe had he strangled Perry a few stories later, uh, no one would have minded. And, uh, you know, and then uh, Trial of the Time Lord, of course, was, you know, uh, interesting. I really enjoyed uh, Terror of the Vervoids. I didn't mind Bonnie Langford in Trial of the Time Lord. I thought uh, she was all right. Uh, you really didn't get to know her. Uh, she was one of those companions. Once you really got to know her, you hated her. Uh, so, you know, that was good. I didn't mind the ending of Trial of a Time Lord just because, you know, there were so many crazy endings in other stories. Like, you know, you just reverse the polarity of the 
neutron flow and what have you, and you you fix everything or you press a few buttons, everyone explodes, and it's great. So, you know, that didn't drive me as crazy, but... You know, it's just really a shame that we didn't get to learn more about Colin Baker when he was the doctor on TV, uh, considering the amount of episodes, how the seasons were longer with the first and second doctors, that really, uh, by the time he got to Colin Baker, he only had, he had less than two full seasons. So his airtime was, it was half, if not less than half of all the doctors but Peter Davison before him. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we really uh, got the short end of the stick as far as getting to know Colin Baker, which I feel was also part of, you know, how he never really was able to make it as a favorite doctor until the big finish. And I really think that stories like uh, The Holy Terror that had stories like that had been written during uh, the 22nd season, that that would have been the kind of story that people would have went, you know what, that season was kind of a bust, but there was that one story that just blew my mind. And, you know, it's a real shame that it took this long to get those sort of uh, stories written and uh, to really use uh, Colin Baker in that way. And, uh, you know... uh, I think that about sums it up for me. Also, Jamie being back was wonderful. Uh, enjoyed that. But, uh, yeah, I I think that uh, concludes uh, Joe's look at uh, the Colin Baker era. <laughs> well, thank you, Joe. Um, no problem. We're, we're gonna, before we go to our uh, callers, we just want to um, – Mike, watch this uh, chime in again. Mike from the Tin, Michael from the Tin Dog Podcast. Yeah, if it's okay, I just wanted to uh, say something that we we haven't really dealt with just yet, and it was more to do with the Big Finish um, audios. It was that this is the only Doctor I can imagine doing a musical episode. I I can't really picture any other Doctor that we've ever experienced doing this. Um, Also, uh, the one story that I would love to see adapted for the new series is The One Doctor. Um, I won't spoil the story, but it is so worth tracking down for people. Definitely recommended on that one. It would make a great transition for the new series, unlike um, uh, Jubilee, which I didn't think um, transferred at all, because none of the actual bits of Jubilee that were great made it across. The only bit that survived from the story Jubilee that became Dalek was that it had a Dalek in it. And that's kind of it. But I would so recommend the... um, the, the one doctor to anyone um, but none of us have, have discussed the, the musical episode yet and I just needed to bring it up I apologise for interrupting the flow of the show on that one yes it, it's one of the big Finnish audios it's uh, Doctor Who and the Pirates episode I, I 3 I a musical <laughs> am I missing something? Yeah, episode, <laughs> no episode 3 is um, a Mickey take of Pirates of Penzance and Colin Baker sings. He sings so well that he actually got a job in Pirates of Penzance the next month. Really? Big Finish did it's, a It's musical. an experiment I, with I narrative. I missed this episode, then because I did not hear this. I, they, Big Finish did a musical on Doctor Who? Yep. He certainly did. About the same time as the uh, Buffy musical episode. It was within sort of six months. Okay. So it's going back some time now. Learn something new every day. <laughs> there you go. Well, I can see that you'll be nipping straight out to the Big Finish website as soon as we finish this to order that one. 
Right. <laughs> but I cannot for the life of me imagine any other doctor being able to pull that off except for the character that is Colin. So for that I am grateful because it is such a great episode. And I know a lot of people on Outpost Gallifrey will hate me for this. It went down quite badly amongst some fans, but I personally think they were wrong and just weren't paying attention to the plot. It's all about the nature of who's telling the story and what format a story takes. So if you're interested in media and that sort of thing, well worth experiencing. However, I do feel I've just annoyed quite a few people who've heard this story before and feel very, very unsimilar to me about this. So I'll just stand back after I've lit the firework and watch the, fire, watch the sparks. <laughs> it was done in 2003 as well. Okay. All right, well... So that was it, really. Um, I can feel my throat beginning to close up, so I will say goodnight to you all at this point, if that's all right. Well, thank you, Michael, so much. Uh, everyone, um, uh, just give a plug to the Tin Dog Podcast. Where can people take a listen to that, and how can people find the Tin Dog Podcast? Um, it's on iTunes. Um, it's listed under the rest of the Doctor Who podcasts, or you can go to the website, which is www.tin-dog.co.uk. Thanks very much. Uh, highly recommended podcast, and I uh, we welcome all our listeners to take a gander and take a listen to it. Thank you. Good night. Good night. Okay, well, we're going to go to uh, our callers that have been waiting patiently to chime in, and I know there's a lot of, um, it, apparently we have a lot of Perry fans out there, so I'm sure there's going to be some rebuttal there to, um, to Joe's comment earlier before. So, uh, to lead the... Bur- the brigade, the brigade, <laughs> I can't talk anymore, um, is uh, West from the CIA podcast. Um, hello, West. Hello, everybody. Good to have you back on the show. How, how's it going there? It's going pretty well. Um, I'm, I'm glad to be on today. This is, you know, a lot of people don't like Colin, but I do. I don't know why. Some of his stories just strike me as pretty good. Um, he had a lot of bad ones, but I guess when you say a lot, he only had so many stories, and I guess about half of them were bad and half of them were good, but it wasn't really Colin's fault. It was the fault of the production of the show. Um, you've heard him say many times, probably, if you listen to interviews, that you know he wasn't really in on the outfit picking for that show, and um, I think Colin Baker's costume was probably the the reason why a lot of people don't like him, really. It's not necessarily his acting. I mean, he's a little over-the-top sometimes, and I've heard friends of mine say he's the William Shatner of Doctor Who, which, I don't know. (laughs) But, I mean, I don't agree with that, because I don't think William Shatner is necessarily a bad actor either. So, Um, But he had some excellent stories, and one that's been mentioned is The Two Doctors, which I, I said earlier was one of my favorites. I mean, it's got everything you could ever want in a Doctor Who story. You got you know, a Robert Holmes script, which, you know, a lot can be said for the fact that Robert Holmes is probably one of the most prolific writers the show ever had, came up with some of the best characters, including the Santarans, which are in it. Mm-hmm. Um, probably one of the most inventive villains of the entire series was Shockeye, or the Quonsing Grig, the guy that wants to eat everything, including Jamie, spends the whole episode trying to eat Jamie. And, uh, of course, Patrick Troughton's in it. And, um, Anytime you got Troughton on screen, it's a good thing. Um, I, w- I would just say, you know, some of his stories weren't so good. I wasn't a big fan of Time Lash, which a lot of people have really, really criticized. I heard a review recently from the MMM commentary group about Time Lash, and everybody there says they think it's the worst Doctor Who story ever written. 
If you want to see what people think is the worst Doctor Who story ever written, watch Time Lash. Um, going into the um, Big Finish audio, Colin Baker, I think most people would have to say that um, he's probably the most prolific of all the Doctors on audio. He seems to care. In interviews, he cares a lot about how the production's gone and gives notes and things, and, you know, pretty well known the fact that people like Peter Davison just kind of read the thing and don't even remember what the episode was about when they're done with it. And um, Colin Baker's always been one of those people that supports Doctor Who, even in the, the lean years, doing interviews and doing conventions and very proud of the fact that he was on it, and he should be. Um, I agree with Ten Dog when he's talking about um, the one doctor. I think it's my favorite Colin Baker audio story. It's just really, really funny. And it even has... Cover your ears, everyone. Melanie is a companion. Um, and, and I would have to say about the audio range, it, it tends to flesh out those companions a little bit more. No pun intended where Perry's concerned. Um, they, um, they give them more of a, I guess, more to do. So, like, Perry doesn't seem like just the girl that stands around and screams all the time. She's actually pretty smart and figures things out. And so does Mel. Mel's not as annoying on the, right, on the audio program. And I would have to say I, I don't agree that Perry is the poor man's Joe Grant. Um, she's not like her at all. She um, kind of stands around and screams a little bit, but she she's really good at, at giving back what the doctor dishes out to her. Um, I think I liked her better with Peter Davison a little bit, but her and Colin Baker make a pretty good duo, especially when they replace her with Mel, which I think was a big mistake. Um Harry's very sarcastic, which, you know, you don't get a lot in Doctor Who Companions much until recently, I guess. And, um, you know. When, when a doctor inherits a companion, as which was the case with Colin Baker or with Perry, sometimes it, the, the chemistry isn't there only because, I mean, it was really originally developed for another uh, doctor. I mean, the exception to this probably is um, Sarah Jane Smith that was um, introduced in John Pertwee's era, but... Um, but I think she clicked very well with Tom Baker's doctor. Uh, but I, I think maybe that was the problem with Perry and, and Colin and the sixth doctor. Right, and I would agree with that. I would say Sarah Jane was probably a lot better fleshed out companion because she had a lot better backstory, or we knew more of her backstory. Mm -hmm. All we knew about Perry, you know, she was a botanist. So she was in school, and she was studying to be a botanist, and they never did anything with that. I mean, she should have been going out on planet. Dude, look at this plant. This is pretty interesting. Um, she was able to hold her own, and and I kind of enjoyed her as a companion. Everyone else in the talk part of this podcast and the on the page seems to think that um, they really like the way she looked. I don't understand why, but John Nathan Turner always stuck her in a leotard and a pair of shorts with high heel shoes. Now, you'd think companions after a while realize, I'm going to an alien planet, and I don't know what I'm going to be walking on. Let's, let's put a good pair of shoes on. But they all seem to like to wear high heels for some reason. Um, I, I will say Colin Baker's doctor seemed to be a little more violent than the other ones. He didn't have a problem picking up a gun and blowing something away. Um, you know, he kills the cyber controller pretty maliciously and doesn't have problems blowing up Daleks. And uh, the violence content in the show jumped up quite a bit when he took over. And um, I don't know if that had anything to do with him leaving or not. I know the ratings weren't so hot. 
And then they had the you know, evil Michael Michael Grade in charge of everything. But Colin makes a good point because um, at the time when his when his episodes were being shown on the BBC, uh, I don't know if it was I guess it was Channel Four was showing um, the A Team, and that was like mindless violence. Where here the, the the violence that was in Doctor Who served the story, and it was um, it wasn't violence for violence' sake. It was actually um, part of the storytelling and, and moved the story along. Well, you got to say with Doctor Who, or if you go all the way back to the 60s, somebody dies in at least every episode, somewhere or another. Um, so there's a, a trail of corpses behind the Doctor, but he saves the day in the end. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I guess except for the Doctor dances, they all live. Everybody lives. <laughs> but um, I just think Colin's given a bad rap for some reason, and I think maybe it's because his tenure wasn't very, very long. And um, I think if they'd have let him stay a little bit longer, he would have caught on a lot better because obviously he could. Because if you listen to um, the Big Finish, if you listen to Big Finish, thank you. Um, they've really fleshed out his character, and now I'm upset because I didn't get to see more of that. Um, oh, I agree. And and I think a lot of it has to do with I gave him a companion that goes with his doctor. Going back to what you said about him inheriting Perry. Um, Evelyn is a very, very good uh, companion. She's very well fleshed out as a character. Plus, she she gets along with the Doctor and more of a friend-type relationship, and it's not like some guy traveling with this young bimbo botanist. And uh, I'm not saying Perry's a bimbo. I'm just saying that's what people tend to say. Anyway, um, but they, they get along. They're more equals. Um, they have a very friendship-oriented relationship, and it really shows. And then, you know, through the series of adventures on audio, things happen to Evelyn that kind of really rattle her. Um, and, you know, he doesn't quite know how to respond to that. And there's a really good episode later on where he visits. He goes back and revisits her after she's left him, and she's married to someone else on this planet. And he's got Melanie as a companion. And um, that's a very good episode. And I cannot remember the name of it saved my life, but it, yeah, at the very end, um, there's a cameo by Sylvester McCoy on there where he eases her mind on something that happened previously, and it's you know a different doctor, and he thought to go back and and let her know everything was okay, and it eases her mind. But it's a very very good story, and I it's really called like Thicker Than Water. Yes, that one. That's an excellent story, and um, there's really not very many bad Colin Baker stories. Um, there's one or two that I was kind of ho hum on. But most all of them are excellent, especially the one doctor, as Tim, Tim Dog was saying. If you want to laugh, listen to that. And and the the pirate episode he was talking about is very good as well. Um, imagine my surprise when I'm driving down the road and third episode comes on and the whole thing's a musical. And I'm a Gilbert and Sullivan fan anyway, and I just laugh all through that. So I think I've bored everyone enough. It's someone else's turn. <laughs> well. Thank you, Wes, so much. Um, yeah, I, I didn't know about the whole musical number. <laughs> that, that, that one really didn't show up on my radar. But then again, um, I, I'm far behind in my Big Finish listening. So um, I, I need to catch up. We're going to, um, once again, thank you, Wes. Uh, we're going to go to Emily from Ohio. She's been waiting for a long time. And I know uh, Dave is also waiting. So um, we're, we're going to get to um, as many quotes as we can. So thank you once again, Wes. Thank you. And Emily, we're live on Doctor Who Podshock. Hi. 
Uh, sorry, I'm, 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 uh, can you, uh, go to David really quick? Sure. We'll get back to you in a sorry. second. Hey, Dave. Hi, Luis. This is, uh, Dave uh, from Manchester, UK. Hey. Hi, it's great to be on. Um, I hope I'm coming across all right. I've uh, had to go on Skype out again. <clears throat> but straight on to it, yes, uh, I'm here to defend Perry. Uh, no, sorry, we're talking about Colin, aren't we? No, Colin, I, I, um, I've grown to like him more and more. Um, although I'm not a great listener, I must admit, of a lot of the audio ventures, for two reasons. <clears throat> I do listen to quite a lot of them, but I've mainly listened to the ones that uh, here in the UK are on a, a digital radio station called BBC7. And they've mainly been playing the um, eight John McGann uh, audio adventures. Uh, and those have been really excellent. And the second reason is, uh, I hope this doesn't sound mean to me, but uh, the costs seem to be a bit ridiculous for some of these things. I mean, uh, when they first came out on the CD, they were easily, you know, £12, which is like $25 for one audio adventure. So, um I was a little bit reluctant to start them, but I think after one or two people have said how much they they have come grown to love uh, the Sixth Doctor more and more through his audio ventures, I think I really must make an effort. Perhaps this Christmas, um, somebody nice will pop one in my Christmas stocking. And anybody who's listening to this, um, Doctor Who gifts make great Christmas presents. So if you've got a fan that you know, uh, listen to this sort of a podcast, Something like that in their Christmas stocking would go down great. Um, the stories, yeah, I mean, lots of the things that I thought uh, have been covered. That's, I mean, we talked once about uh, the second Doctor and the war games. <clears throat> Excuse me, and how that was 10 episodes long. I think the trial of all that time, Lords, was 14 episodes long and uh, a little bit over convoluted, really. And um, I'm sure there were some uh, viewers that fell away during that but as i've said in the past i've i've always stayed with doctor who and and sometimes that did make and require an effort but um i think one thing that colin did uh add and i was looking actually back over the um the uh the doctor who uh the colin section of our the gallifrey embassy and one of my first posts uh, on the gallifrey embassy and i'll just read it because it's a very short one and it referred to colin um, well, it didn't help when the first thing he did was to try and strangle Perry. In perspective, his doctor actually helps the whole complex of different personas that the doctor has had. But he certainly wasn't likable in the beginning. William Hartnell was an old, crusty doctor, and I think Dolling, uh, Colin was trying to return to that. And I think, as other people have said, um, he had taken the uh, the job on uh, with the intention of staying there for a very long time, and uh, from, from little reviews and little chats that he's done and things I've seen online, uh, Colin had it sort of mapped out how he was going to uh, develop his character and mellow, and um, it is an absolute shame. He was treated badly. Um, you do, really do feel as though um, he invested a lot in the Doctor and in trying to sort of get things across. Uh, and as Ken said uh, quite a while ago that... Um, we don't know whether the, the, the what was happening in his regeneration with the, the bat poison and um, things that coloured his actual regeneration. 
as though I said in the chat that's going on at the time, um, I was actually watching Perry at the <laughs> no, I won't say it. Um, but yes, uh, I enjoyed it. I mean, my absolute favourite of his stories, and we haven't really talked much about the stories, although um, uh, one or two we mentioned, it was the two doctors story I liked, where he's with the second doctor. I mean, it was lovely to see the second doctor back. It was lovely to see Jamie back. It was lovely to see the actress uh, who played Servalan on Blake Seven in it. Uh, and the shock eye character was a, a nice one. And I think he was the first character, or the first person to ever look at Perry and wonder what she'd taste like. But uh, no, I, I, I got to like and enjoy The Sixth Doctor. And no doubt when we move on to talk about Sylvester and his time as a doctor, um, you know, there's, there, there's a lot to compare. I don't think there's too much more I want to add to that, except um, I think Joel could have been a bit... Uh, uh, I, uh, I I agree with a lot of what he says, and he, he makes some great points, but uh, he didn't seem to be too enthusiastic, and there are a lot of people that uh, do, do, do enjoy him. Um, that's about it. Uh, I don't think people have mentioned some of the characters that, that, that we met for the first time. There was Sil, uh, Sabalon Glitz, and of course, the Valyard, who who I take the Valyard to be a possible thirteenth, uh, sorry, twelfth regeneration, thirteenth Doctor. But as we assume that the way the uh, the trial ended, uh, we hope that he won't come to pass, and uh, that actually will be um, something where the Valyard's either trapped in the Matrix, or he just will have never have uh, come into being, as it were. So that's pretty much all I want to say, um, uh, except, uh, did I mention Perry? Back to you, Lewis. You didn't mention Zoe. <laughs> what happened to Zoe? <laughs> okay, she didn't make an appearance in the pound at this time. Oh, right. I'm just kidding with you, Dave. <laughs> well, I don't know once we get going, but, um, yeah, um, so I mean, one thing I'll finish on. poor man's, um, Zoe? <laughs> No, 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 no. I, uh, I mean, with that, I mean, I wouldn't date them both at once, but uh, they can take turns with me if they want. Uh, but um, one thing I would like to say that if we ever, uh, I know it's difficult because of uh, Colin has said it himself, so I don't think I'm saying anything nastily to him. If we ever have a multi-story Doctor uh, uh, episode again. I don't know whether Colin would want to play his part physically on screen again, but it would be a great pity because I think um, he could bring a lot to it. He could bring that acerbic um, humour and that back to the part. Mm-hmm. Although um, any time episode that we have would probably be focused on the ninth and 10th Doctor. Um, I don't know. I mean, I'll finish with a question. Liz. Lots of people have talked about all these audios and things. Has there ever been any multi-doctor stories on audio? Yes, the very first one. Oh, right. And the um, Sirens of Time um, starts off by um, having uh, three separate episodes, each focusing on the individual doctor, and then they all come together for the final one. It worked in some ways, it didn't in others. 
Um, and when they went to do Zagreus, they kind of tried to have those three doctors with the um, the Paul McGann doctor as well, as he was um, on the audience by then. Um, they did it in a kind of... Um, well, they messed around with the format slightly. They didn't quite do it the way you would expect, but I'll leave you to actually listen to that one itself to find out. Yeah, Zagreus. Just say the title again. Sorry, Colin. What was the title? Zagreus. Zagreus. It's a special one that they did for the. It was basically it was their version of the 40th anniversary episode, Um, and they thought, well, they've always done a multi-doctor episode for all of the other anniversaries, so they do one for this. They do a, a nice twist on it, as Colin mentioned. With the, um, they handle it slightly differently than you would expect in it, and it's done you know, very well. To be honest, though, you need to have listened to the other eight Doctor ones leading up to it because there's a lot in there that requires you to have heard those earlier eight Doctor stories. So I think you've pretty much got to hear everything from um, Storm Warning, which was the first Paul McGann one. Right, thanks. That's useful for, for for people here now and people listening later. Thank you. No problem. And thank you, Dave. Um, do you have any other further comments or are we going to go back to Emily? No, I'm fine. Thank you. Back to Emily, hopefully, yeah. All right. Thank you once again, Dave. It's um, uh, You know, I... I know we had West on before, and I, I failed to mention Wes, um, I, I, well, when I introduced him, I, I mentioned the CIA podcast, but um, I know you and, and Wes and, um, and, and others are... Diane. Diane, thank you, are do a great show, and um, if you want to give a plug to that, feel free. Well, I, I know Emily, was, uh, uh, who's coming on next, was asking about uh, watching Buffy, which I know is not... The, the subject in hand at the moment, but I mean, one of the things about the CIA podcast, as well as it being an overflow podcast to this uh, podcast, and, and Doctor Who comes up nearly all the time, uh, Wes feels quite rightly that uh, the subject can move far and wide from that, although mostly staying with science fiction. I think tonight, uh, today, Doctor uh, is going on to talk about uh, British cartoons because we were talking about British comedy last, but uh, more often than not, we keep coming back to Doctor Who and references to Doctor Who. So if you want to go to Emily, uh, that's fine. It's on TalkShoe. You can find it. Look look up CIA and you'll be able to find it there. I don't know the the number or hand, the the ID number, but you can uh, find it on TalkShoe. It's a nice little conversational podcast and I'm sure you'll find it. if If you enjoy our live shows, you'll enjoy that one as well. Just so, sorry for that. CIA, it's 30659. Okay, great. Okay, we're going to go to Emily once again. Thank you, Dave. Hello, Emily. Welcome back. Um, hello, hello, sir. Sorry about earlier. Um, that That's a really tough act to follow with uh, Dave and Joe and Weston. I'm, I'm sorry that I don't really have anything intelligent to say. Uh, but, you know, um, I'm, I'm kind of new to the uh, classic Doctor Who Thing. And to tell you the truth, I've, I've always thought about avoiding um, Colin Baker stories. I've seen a couple of them, and I, I've never really been too big on Perry um, shooting now, but, you know, I'm not into, I'm into guys. <laughs> and I really appreciate Colin Baker, though, and his idea that he wanted to develop his own character. And I really, I really love the idea that he was trying to go back to that whole uh, William Hamill sort of thing. 
uh, with a cranky, crusty old man. And mm -hmm. and I guess the problem was, I don't really know how, basically it comes down to the writing. Um, kind of what, um, a lot which happened in Series 3 of New Doctor Who, I mean, it was never Tennant's fault that um, Love and Monsters, for example, sucked. It was someone else's fault, so, yeah. Um, and uh, I was just wondering, what was the name of the uh, pirate musical Big Finish again? It was called Doctor Who and the Pirates. Oh, okay, I'm going to buy that right now. Best Big <laughs> Finish ever? I'm totally going to buy it. If I can, uh, while you're looking, I'll have a look up on the Big Finish website. I'll tell you what number it is. <laughs> oh, thanks. <laughs> so, Emily, will you now go back? I know you said you were apprehensive about watching Colin Baker's um, episode. So after this podcast, has that um, altered your opinion? Or are you going to go back and watch some of the Six Doctor stories? Uh, yeah, I'm going to go back once I get through uh, Hamill and Davidson and Baker. <laughs> so you, you're kind of going and you listen. You're going watching these classic episodes in somewhat order. I'm, I'm assuming on DVD. I uh, yeah, I'm, I'm skipping a few. Um, but uh, you know the the missing episodes. I'm unfortunately yeah, skipping except for Marco Polo. So eventually I'll get to Colin Baker and I'll definitely be more enthusiastic about checking out. You people have have converted me. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's great to hear. So. Um, can I gather that you became a fan of Doctor Who from basically from the newer series and, and now just discovering the classic episodes? Uh, yeah, my first Doctor was Eiffelstein. So. Okay, no, that's great. I, I think that's fabulous. That, um, it's great to hear that you are, you know, diving into the classic series and, and, and um, you know, it's, um, it's a wealth of material out there and I'm glad it's getting some new eyeballs watching it. So that's great. Yeah, a little overwhelming too. <laughs> Well, take it a little at a time. You know, there's a lot out there, and there's um, there's no rush on your part to watch them all. So, but um, you know, I think you're in a great position to now to kind of pick and choose which ones to watch and uh, take it at your time, take it at your leisure, and um, take your time with it. Have fun. It was. I found out it's um, release number forty three was Doctor Who and the Pirates as well. Oh, awesome! Thanks. Great. Okay, well, thank you so much, Emily. Thanks for having me. Uh, thanks for being on the show. All right, so um, any other further comments that we wanted to uh, wrap up with um, with Colin Baker and the Six Doctor? I know there's been a lot of flack about his costume and all that, and my biggest complaint was not so much, um, you know, it, it was, you know, an eyesore or anything like that, but I think that was the point of it, was that, um, but he pulled it off in a sense where, you know, he, the Doctor, didn't make an issue of it. Other characters sometimes did. and uh, um, But that was part of the Doctor, was um, kind of throwing it in the face of authority and the norm and, and, and breaking through those barriers. My problem with with it was really, um, which extends through the JNT errors, that it became a uniform. And it would have been nice if, you know, he changed the look and did some other atrocious thing or something else. And that was happening slowly. I mean, there was um, he had that blue. Well, that was because it was on. You had to wear blue there. Um, but that was my biggest complaint about about the John Nathan Turner era was the costumes really um, they were too stagnant. And um, as we've seen with the previous doctors like John Pertwee and um, you know even um, Tom Baker's character, uh, the Doctor's portrayal, um, until you got to the last season where it just was like 
stagnant, you know, and it became a uniform. And I think that's, um, you know, just one of the things that John Nathan Turner was looking for consistency. And I think that was just a point where it could have taken, you know, a step. It didn't have to be that way. All right. Any other people? That's it. Uh, well, uh, I just have one other thing to sure. throw in there that I was thinking about. Uh, I think uh, part of why, uh, you know, well, definitely at first when I started watching the Colin Baker era, it didn't grip me as quickly as uh, Davison's and uh, even uh, Tom Baker's was just that. I think when uh, John Nather first took over the show, there was a lot of uh, continuity issues and making sure things flowed together and everything was leading to the next thing. And I feel that sort of was lacking in the Colin Baker era. You know, not that it's a good thing or a bad thing, uh, but that uh, before that, earlier on, you know, the master had very well-timed returns. Um, There were, you know, uh, other well-timed returns throughout Peter Davison's era. Uh, there would be little things like continuity things that would travel in different stories. Um, you know, there were a few more cliffhangers that resulted into, you know, going right into the next story, similar to, you know, the first Doctor's era, but uh, that really wasn't happening anymore. I feel like, and that's, uh, you know, seems like it's definitely something a lot more on the heads of, you know, the production team and the writers, but I felt like they took a step back from taking the continuity as seriously uh, in the Colin Baker era, you know, and that easily, you know, was also due to, you know, all the confusion and the chaos and uh, him only really having a short time on the show, but I think that also took away from, you know, sort of this, uh, you know, continuity-driven uh, way that John Nathan Turner was doing the show the previous four seasons. So, you know, just wanted to throw that out there. Mm-hmm. I think that's going to wrap things up, and I'd like to thank everyone for being part of the show. Ken, Joe, Colin, Michael from the Tin Dog Podcast, uh, thank you all for, uh, your, and everyone that's called in, um, West and Dave and Emily, uh, thanks for being part of the show. We're going to be back in a couple weeks when we review the Sylvester McCoy error, and we invite you all back for that show. We got some um, studio episodes that are coming out shortly, and including our um, as we record this, our hundredth episode hasn't uh, gone out yet, but that's um, in uh, in the works, and uh, look forward to that. That will be a mega long mammoth episode, but I think um, it's full of. Um, delicious treats for everyone so (laughs) all right well uh thanks once again and we'll be back in two weeks You've been listening to Doctor Who, Podshock, live by the fanrun gallifernembassy.org. 
and presented by Outpost Gallifrey at gallifrey1.com. Doctor Who is trademarked and copyrighted by the BBC. Doctor Who Podshock is not affiliated with the BBC in any way. Come back next week for another exciting and informative episode of Doctor Who Podshock. You can email us at feedback at podshock.net. I am the doctor, whether you like it or not.